And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Max and Sam on the Until Saturday podcast feed. I'm your host, Sam Kahn, joined as always by my great friend, Max Olson. How are you, Max? We are a week into Portal Mania. How are you doing and holding up so far? I'm surviving. I'm surviving. How are you, man? How's your, uh, how's a little, uh, I don't know, do you feel like, I guess we're not really in postseason mode here, are we? Kind of? Kind of, well, we got bowl games this weekend, so kind of, I guess. <laughs> this weekend? This Saturday. There's like five what? games this Saturday. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Cal and Texas Tech at the Independence Bowl Saturday night, baby. You better better get ready. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm Clearly, I literally have been in, in a cave for the last week here, so I'm coming back out to society and uh, yeah. learning there's bowl games coming. So yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Damn. Signing days in uh, about eight days, so that's coming up too. Is it really? Uh, that wow. <laughs> <laughs> it is all these things are happening. Coaching changes. Most of the coaching jobs have been filled now. I think uh, yep. there is just Troy left. One. Troy is left now after uh, John Summerall took the job at Tulane. So uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on here in the college football world. <laughs> it's, it is postseason, but it really doesn't stop in the off season. Oh my so gosh. I'm doing I, well I, though, dude. I was I was did a radio hit last week, and um, I was asked like for my thoughts on the Charlie Baker proposal, and it's just like what. <laughs> What Charlie how, how, am I gonna, how am I going to BS my way through this for a minute? Because I just don't have. I know it's important, but golly, yes. I do not have time for it. You know, to break down the layers of the trust, the thirty thousand dollar minimum trust, or whatever we're going to establish for revenue sharing, uh, which is probably coming down the road. There's a lot. There's plenty of time. We got eight months to dive into that. We're, we're not doing that episode today, are we? I just we're not doing that. I, no. I need a little more, little more time to prepare for that one. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that one to Power Hour. Nicole, Nicole and Chris yes. can, can... Yes. They're really good on that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, the transfer portal hasn't really stopped humming since we last spoke. Of course, Max, I know you've been into all this. We'll talk a lot about these moves now we're starting to see commitments. We saw so many guys get in the portal last week. We're still seeing some get get in, but we're starting to see guys make decisions. Dylan Gabriel, of course, the quarterback at Oklahoma, committed to Oregon. Ohio State had a couple of players visit, who are visiting Nebraska and Matt Rule. Speaking of Rule, Max and I will hand out report cards for first-year head coaches, including Rule, Deion Sanders, Hugh Freeze, much, much more. Uh, and before we go today, we'll talk about the impact Freshmen and impact portal players from 2023 we had those all portal teams and all freshman teams on the athletic last week. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Max had to put all those together in the middle of all the portal madness last week. So, oh, by the way, you were working on a story with me about Texas A&M that we'll talk about a little later, too. So uh, all, I hope all, you slept. This is a, no, no, I can confirm <laughs> I did not. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do it. Be sure, as always, follow the show on. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop a five-star review. And if you leave a question with your five-star review, we'll answer on the show. Subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube so you can stay tuned on all our live streams and all the awesome clips that we put up there. Leave a voicemail or text the Until Saturday phone line at 316-462-9852. It helps participate in that Sunday sound off, which we still have going strong. 
And of course, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter so you get your daily fill of college football news right in your inbox. Mania Navarro was in the newsletter on Monday morning, wrote about Louisville store Griffin and the portal acquisition, and also looking ahead to the 2024 Heisman race. We just had the Heisman Trophy ceremony on Saturday. Jaden Daniels won, as you all know. Never too early to look forward to 2024. So links to all that stuff is in the show's description. But let's talk portal. We mentioned Dylan Gabriel at the top, the former Oklahoma quarterback at the portal. We talked about this on the show last week. Interesting to see him decide to transfer rather than go to the draft. Oregon now, who had gone to Bo Nix before in the portal, to great success, obviously. You know, he was in the Heisman race this year as a finalist. Now you're going to have another one of these guys. Uh, you get Gabriel from Oklahoma, who's a talented guy, helped Oklahoma to a 10-2 record. Max, I'll just start with just your top-line thoughts on the fit here for Gabriel and, and what, what this move could mean for the Ducks in the immediate future. Yeah, you know, I think that for Dylan Gabriel, this was, you know, similar maybe to Sam Hartman um, going to Notre Dame last year. This is a guy where if I'm going in the portal, I'm going to go here. You know, I think it was a pretty, pretty straightforward recruiting process for him. Did the, did the official visit over the weekend, committed on, on Saturday night um, or Friday night. Um, I think Dylan Gabriel, the bottom line is he was planning to go pro. And then I think the feedback he got in the past month essentially told him you're going to be a late round pick or go undrafted. And that's pretty jarring for somebody who just had a, you know, first team, all big 12 season played the best season of, of his career. So far his long career so far. And, you know, to, to kind of put it all together and uh, you know, obviously Oklahoma, you know, didn't win the big 12, but you know, he had a really nice year to be kind of told, Hey, you're not, you're not where you think you are in terms of the pros. Um, I'm sure that's really frustrating and, and scary and, and forces you and your, your camp to kind of rethink what are we doing next year? So um, I think the fit's really nice. Um, I, I know that this is, you know, we'll get into like kind of what the, the, in sort of the bigger picture, what this really means. But I think, I think Dylan Gabriel can walk right in there and operate that offense. And, you know, especially if they get Bucky Irving back, they get some of these playmakers back. Like, I think Oregon's one of these uh, these these quarterback vacancies where you can kind of show up and do your job and don't don't worry about being Superman and uh, they're going to win a bunch of games next year. You know, I know it's going to be a little bit different going to the Big Ten, but um, you know, I think that I think this dude is uh, is going to have a really really nice year. Um, and you know, from everything we saw at Oklahoma, he's going to fit right in in terms of being a leader for that uh, that team and, and replacing Bo Nix. What, what did you think when that news hit? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. When you saw that commitment, to me, it was just like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. When you look at what Will Stein, the offensive coordinator there, has done with Bo Nix this year mm -hmm. and allowed him to really flourish, it's been really good. Stein worked with Frank Harris at UTSA before that. He's got a really good track record so far with quarterbacks. And I, I can see Gabriel stepping in, like you said, and, and having a really successful 2024 and setting himself up for, for a better pro outlook. Coming up, so I, I think, and, and you look I think at it's Oregon. okay to not not stay at Oklahoma too. You know, I know mm -hmm. that's probably going to like look confusing to people because like you're you're you know, you, they're, they're, you're seeing these announcements that you know Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman are coming back, and he's kind of gearing up for a run here. I think both sides were planning for Dylan Gabriel to not be at Oklahoma in twenty four, and you're probably making uh, some promises to Jackson Arnold uh, along those lines when you're recruiting him that this is going to be kind of the the succession plan and. Didn't go how they they expected, but I don't think that's a bad thing for for Dylan Gabriel over Oklahoma. 
No, everybody's ready to see Jackson Arnold in Oklahoma. Yeah. I know the Oklahoma fans have been kind of chomping at the bid. We there was a lot of discussion before the season, like, hey, would he? You knew Gabriel was the guy, but would Arnold become the guy at some point? Uh, obviously, Gabriel put that to bed with with a great season, but everybody wants to see the five star quarterback. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I think this is a, a situation where it works out for both parties. Now, what's interesting to me about this situation is now you got Bo Nix who came in, they they portaled him in. And he has a successful run, goes Heisman Trophy. You portal in Dylan Gabriel, you you expect and you hope if you're Oregon, he's going to have a great, successful 2024. You had Ty Thompson, who was once sure thought to be your quarterback of the future. He has hit the portal. You had Austin Novosad, who you signed last year, who is your stud freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm curious what you think about the strategy. You covered a lot of the portal and and the developments over the years. We've seen programs do this we saw lincoln riley do this at oklahoma in i think three guys in a row that they brought in as transfers and succeeded what, what are your thoughts on the idea of portaling a guy in and mm-hmm. continuing to do that as opposed to getting your stud quarterback recruit and developing for two three years do we even have the patience is that the reason why we're doing this because we don't have patience to develop a guy two three years and because there's pressure to win what why what do you think about just the the juxtaposition of Developing the young guy versus Portal and the veteran. You know, I think it's it's interesting. Next year, when we expand this playoff, I feel like that's going to feed into that a little bit more of just like, okay, you know, I think on the Oregon side, their their thought process here is they want they they feel like they've got a lot coming back next year and have a chance to be a, a playoff contender again, even though they're switching leagues. And, you know, they've had three years to look at, you know, well, not this staff, but Ty Thompson has had three years in this program. And this staff has had two years to to evaluate him, and I think they clearly, when you're making this move, you you are sending the message that we don't feel like Ty Thompson is that dude. You know, doesn't mean he can't start at a bunch of other places, but I think in terms of trying to compete for national championship, um, you know, they they came to the determination that that Dylan Gabriel really gives them a better chance, and so yeah, you lose you lose him. You know, they lost their quarterback commit Michael uh, Van Buren uh, to to Jeff Labby in Mississippi State. Um, you know, there's, there's some trade-offs there, obviously, in terms of, uh, in terms of the having depth and having a plan for the future. In fact, I wouldn't be that surprised if Oregon like goes out and tries to get Dante Moore to be the backup to Dylan Gabriel and redshirt <laughs> him and let him be the guy the following year. Right. I mean, it would kind of make sense in terms of that plan. Um, but I think Sam, it's not, I mean, they invested two years in a Ty Thompson. This staff did. I mean, they tried to develop him. I think they liked him. Um, I, I don't think that, that this was like, we're going to be a disaster if Ty Thompson's a starter here. But I do think it's the the bar is like kind of raised right now in terms of, all right, we need to, you know, there's so many good ones out there. You know, would it be foolish of us to go pass on one of these really good ones and take the risk of, uh, of playing someone that doesn't have any starting experience? And I think that's kind of the tricky calculation for, Every staff, because you kind of want to let it ride and say, we got all these guys, let's kind of run it back. Let's go get somebody comparable to Bo Nix and see if we can really put it together next year um, when you've got another year developing this roster and recruiting and um, you know really building this momentum and culture and stuff. And so, yeah, I think it's it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Um, and I'm, it's not fun to be Ty Thompson, although he'll land in a good spot here. But, you know, I was thinking about this, Sam, like, let's take the take the three contenders – that stuck with their their room this year, okay? Mm-hmm. Alabama stuck with what they had. Well, they took Tyler Buckner, well, they but they stuck, Buckner, with, yeah. they stuck with what they had. 
Jalen Milrow. Of course, two games in, uh, there was not a lot of confidence in what they had. Um, <laughs> but they eventually got to the right place with Jalen Milrow. And, you know, would not be in the playoff if not for a Jordan Travis injury. Ohio State mm-hmm. stuck with their room. And uh, now Kyle McCord's gone after one year. And mm-hmm. I think if you had asked an Ohio State fan, knowing what they know now, would you would you go back and get Sam Hartman a year ago? Probably would. Mm-hmm. Probably would. Doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. Ryan Day's got his reasons. I mean, his that staff had, you know, had reason to, to be confident that, you know, McCord and Devin Brown are two, two inexperienced guys, but not... Uh, not young guys, right? Not necessarily like guys that just absolutely cannot play on this stage. Um, and you got Georgia. Georgia stuck with their guy in Carson Beck. Don't think Georgia necessarily needed better quarterback play this year, but Georgia's not in the playoff this year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like we we saw the big ones kind of tr- go through this and try to do it the quote unquote right way. And uh, we almost came pretty, you know, we came pretty darn close to all three of them missing the playoff here. So it's like kind of, you know, I'm not saying that uh, that was the one reason. It was quarterback play, but definitely not. But, um, you know, I think everybody kind of is, <laughs> you're getting kind of some of these hints that like, you know, shoot, I guess is the way to, this is the way to do it. I was surprised when LSU took Jaden Daniels because they had a plan, mm-hmm. um, around miles Brennan. Do you even remember miles Brennan? Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was supposed to be the guy, <laughs> but ago, if you can yeah. go get your room better, you know, yeah. look, look how it turns out. So, I mean, yeah. it's like same thing with Washington, same thing with Oregon. Like you, you had guys in that room, but look how it paid off. So I, I think everybody's kind of chasing that now. Well, you look at the playoff teams and you got, obviously you got Washington and Penix who, who they imported and you've got, you mentioned Alabama, you've got Texas who went and got Quinn Ewers from Ohio yeah. state. Uh, short, that was a very short term stay for Quinn at Ohio state and a little bit of a unique situation because uh, of the coaching change there at Texas that, that helped lead to that. And then you've got Michigan, who is one of the few guys, and you you had this list you posted on Monday, top 10 quarterback recruits in the class of 2021. Only two of them are still at the school that they signed with, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan mm-hmm. and Drake May at North Carolina. And, and both those guys could very well go pro after this year. Right. So Drake May, the, the only one out of the 10 that kind of had the dream scenario of just being mm-hmm. the guy for, well, he had Day to redshirt a year, but I mean, he, he had to sit for a year, but you know, being a two-year starter going pro, three and out that's that's uh yeah that's, that's what you're it, planning it, for that's that's what you hope for but there's very few guys that that's actually the three four year experience but jimmy you're looking at some big you know some big names some good names on this list of these top 10 guys and and it just doesn't always go it goes back to me to the discussion we've had discussion on the pod before and i i'm really a big believer in this is that i feel like the patience level for blue chip quarterbacks on both sides, not just on the side of the guy who yeah. wants to play, yeah. Yeah. but on the side of the coaching staff and the fan base has shrunk. It's not, if you haven't really gotten anything going by the end of year two, you're probably, your guy is probably looking around whether it's, mm-hmm. whether it's, he hasn't developed or whether he hasn't gotten the time, then there's a chance that there's going to be a move there. And you, you did, a, you did a lot of the deep dive statistical stuff on this about the rate of, of how many guys transfer if they don't play by the end of year two. Yeah, 87%. Guys, uh, yeah. It, if you don't start a game your first two years on campus, 87% transferred. Yeah. I mean, that's wild. That's where we are at this point. So yeah. what it becomes is unless you are somebody who hits on a guy and he stays from day one, then you're probably playing the musical chairs game if you feel like you're a contender who can win something right away. Or 
if you're a program that feels like you're under the gun, if you feel like you're a coach on the hot seat and you need to win this year, you may go get a quarterback. You know, and that that's not the situation Oregon is in. Obviously, Oregon's in a like we said earlier, they're in a contender situation. They want to keep it going. And so you certainly understand that. And you, you there's just there's not going to be enough patience to say, okay, let's let Austin Novasad roll out there and make some freshman mistakes. Obviously, you said, you know, how they feel about Ty Thompson, obviously the what they made the move is said, but it's like, we're not going to go and just let throw this red shirt freshman out there and just let them go make mistakes. Like we think we have a good enough team to go contend. So we're going to go get a veteran quarterback. Think helps contend. So not, not to mention Sam, like, okay, if that, if that's like how this is all going, then like, you know, we saw in last year's cycle with, with Nico and with Jaden Rashada, like, why would you pay these guys a million dollars? You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, why would you invest heavily <laughs> in high school quarterback recruits mm-hmm. when, that hit rate in terms of them staying in your program and being the guy, even for the five stars, is not that great. Brother, they're having a hard time finding this in the NFL draft. Yeah. I mean, we're still we're still making these this is such a hard position to to recruit, to scout, to evaluate, to understand, because I think so much there's so much put on the quarterback in the modern game and what he has to handle and uh all the different defenses are thrown at you, uh, all the different schemes. And and if you're if you're in the college game and you're going through coaching changes, staff changes, how many offenses are you having to handle? So much of that is mental, and that is so hard to evaluate when you're talking about a high school guy, 16, 17 years old, and you're trying to project what he's going to be down the road. In the, in the NFL, they're having trouble with this with the college guys and trying to project them the next level. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Before we move on, just real quick, how do you think how do you think Oregon does in year one in the Big Ten with Gabriel and, and how he uh, holds up uh, coming in this in this program? Oh God, is have you started looking at these schedules for next year? Like really looking at like who's playing when? <laughs> it's very uh, isn't it? I just find it very bizarre to go look at these and the way yeah. that these like set up. Like okay, Oregon Oregon is going to open Big Ten play at UCLA. Then they're going to host mm-hmm. Michigan State. Then they're going to host mm-hmm. Ohio State. Ohio <laughs> State in the middle of October. <laughs> at Michigan, beginning of November. You're, you're yeah. closing regular season against Washington, November 3rd. What are we doing? This is... This is I mean, I know this what we're doing. Football. This is college football now. Yeah. And it's just so... I, you know, it's just... I, I'm just... Fair, I find it very disorienting when I start looking at these schedules mm-hmm. and actually thinking about next year. Um, I, I do think Oregon is building it the right way. And I don't think like, I think that they are built. They, they, what we saw this year and obviously they, they didn't play their best football in their two games against Washington, but they're building pretty physical football teams that can Mm -hmm. run the ball that uh, the defense was a little bit better, but 
you know, not where it needs to be, but a little bit better. Um, I, I, I think that they have a chance. I'm not going I'm to say they're going to like tear through the big 10, but I do think they have a chance to win nine, 10 games and be in the playoff mm-hmm. mix here. And winning nine, 10 games is the new standard now, right. Yep. In terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, being in the mix and for that top 15 and, uh, and making the cut here. So I, I think they've got the goods for that. You know, Dylan Gabriel's got to stay healthy, obviously, but, um, you know, I, he he put together a really nice year at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I think if you're talking about you know your early Heisman favorites next year, I kind of think you got to put Dylan Gabriel pretty high on that list. Yeah, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. It's going to be interesting to see next few days as we see more quarterback commitments come in. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll there'll be a domino effect to a certain degree, so it'll be 100%. fascinating to watch all that unfold here as we get closer to signing day, actual signing day. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about some other guys. Trevor Etienne hit the portal, Florida running back. Uh, has been real productive. Seems like training for Georgia uh, in, in that one, or or what, what's what's kind of the uh, what's kind of the intel on his destinations and and what you made of ETN hitting the portal. Yeah, there, there, that one was rumored for a little while, so wasn't shocked when it did hit. Um, I know that uh, that Seth Emerson has circled him as as a, a key get here for <laughs> Georgia um, because you know Georgia just doesn't doesn't get a, a, a fair shot at signing the best high school recruits <laughs> in the country. So, um, you know, anytime you can compliment what you've got with, uh, with guys like Trevor Etienne from your rival, uh, you got to do it, you know, um, <laughs> that is I, also you know, disoriented for me in the portal era, watching team guys go from one rival to the other. That, that is, that is disorienting oh, me yeah. a little bit. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, um, I, I actually think Trevor Etienne would be the perfect like, um, like I, I think I think Dabo should throw a big bag at him and just be like, "Look, yes. I did it. We take transfers. <laughs> I went to the portal. But yes. he's part of the family, so it's okay. Part of the Clemson family. It's all baby. part. It's part of the family. It's part of the culture. <laughs> this is where I, I think Dabo's got to come in, and uh, Clemson's got to get this one done. I think that'd be hilarious to see um, as their declaration that they're they've entered the portal. Uh, yeah, portal combat. You know. Um, but yeah, Georgia, Georgia is definitely one to watch there. Um, I think that recruitment will move pretty quickly and, uh, you know, Florida's lost some, some, some pretty, uh, talented, uh, experienced players to the portal here, uh, in this, this cycle. And, uh, I'm, I bet that's going to make them, uh, buyers as well. Yeah. What, what do we think of this running back class? You got a ETN rocket Sanders from Arkansas. That was yeah. an interesting one to see hit the portal. Woody Marks from Mississippi state, Nate Noel from app state. There's some really good running backs in here. What what do you make of this running back group that we've got in the portal right now? Yeah, and you know Marcus Carroll just committed to Missouri today, so he's the you know he's one of the top rushers in the country at Georgia State. Uh, he's going to come in and try to be the Cody Schrader replacement. So um, I, I think that's that's an interesting pickup as well. Uh, yeah, we've we've got some backs that can uh, uh, that, that that can really scoot. That I you know I know probably there's a lot of these like collectives that probably look at running back and say we don't want to spend on running back, but. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, rocket Sanders, when you look at how he played in 22, just one of the best backs in the SEC and in the country. Um, and, and I know this year wasn't quite right, but, uh, but that guy's going to have a chance to, uh, uh, land in a really good spot here. Uh, I saw he just visited South Carolina over the weekend, so could be staying inside the conference. Uh, Woody Marks is a guy leaving Mississippi state after their coaching change who, you know, because you're running back at Mississippi State and the way they've played the past few years, you know, the rushing yards aren't are isn't a crazy number, but uh that's a very talented player who uh is, is gonna have a lot of options here. And yeah, you're right. I think I think that those those pickups can actually end up being pretty sneaky important. Um, uh, because you know, you saw a few this year that really hit. And uh, you know, we certainly saw Kenneth Walker a few years ago. Like, I think that's one of those positions where 
if you can find the feature back and kind of build an offense around somebody, I think that that ends up being, you know, really, really impactful. So, uh, yeah, interested to see where that group uh, shakes out. And I imagine we'll probably see some more coming. Yeah, Ray Davis at Kentucky was one of those that worked out really, really oh, well yeah. uh, this year. Uh, Dylan Johnson Kyle at McCoy. Washington, Quentin Cooley at Liberty. All those guys were, um, you know, real difference makers. Yeah. A uh, couple couple of players from Ohio State visiting your alma mater, Nebraska, Kyle McCord, Julian Fleming uh, visiting this week. That, that We talked a little bit about McCord last week. I'm really interested because Nebraska took uh, Jeff Sims last year, and, and obviously you know, things didn't work out quite like you thought it would, at least in the offseason. Sam, well, since we started taping this podcast, Jeff Sims has entered the transfer portal. Whoa. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Well, jumping the portal. Jumping in that. Thank you for the drop cam. There we go. Yes. Yes. Update. Jeff Sims is in the portal. Um, so you lost I, that bet, right? You lost the bet with Bruce. Oh, uh, yeah. The Jeff Sims versus uh, Keaton Slovis Keaton bet. Slovis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Slovis took a bunch of weeks off and he still way outperformed uh, <laughs> Jeff Sims. So I, I owe Bruce a steak dinner. Uh, that one's tough. You know, I, I saw people posting the, um, you know, Jeff Sims is expected in the transfer portal a week ago or whatever. I think I probably should have just tweeted that in October and then I could have like claimed that uh <laughs> claimed that I I had that I saw that one coming. Um yeah, that one didn't that one didn't work out. Uh didn't yeah. work out. Nebraska's in the market here. Um, you know, they they got a chance to see what Heinrich Harburg and, and uh Chubba Purdy could do uh this season. And uh, I think they got it get you know <laughs> I mean there's nowhere to go but up for Nebraska from that <laughs> situation, Sam. And I and I'm not dissing the player. I'm just saying talk I, you talk purely in terms of production, uh, they lead the country in turnovers with 31 this year. And the offense scored 18 points a game, which mm. is only a little bit more than Iowa. Um, mm. Yeah, slightly more than Iowa. So, um, they, it, you know, you got you to gotta be pretty open-minded here to taking somebody. And I think, it's, I think if they can get Kyle McCord on board here, and it seems like he's really the priority. Um, I'd be curious what you think of that after watching Kyle McCord this season. But... I think that it's objectively an instant upgrade in terms of their just their situation, no matter what uh, he ends up doing for them. Yeah. I, again, we we talked about this last week, but I think the standard at which Ohio State quarterbacks are measured made it a little tough on on Kyle McCord. And look, you saw him in person. Uh, you know, he wasn't he wasn't great at, at times. There was there was there was definitely some flaws there. But at the same time, if you were to stick him at Nebraska. I think that's an upgrade, and I think I think he makes that room better, and I think there's I think there's real potential there. So, to mix bag, sometimes maybe just a change of scenery will do the trick, and maybe that maybe that's the situation from a court, uh, you know. But but you know they've got Devin Brown obviously waiting in the rings also at Ohio State, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I think sometimes just change of scenery can do a guy, do a guy a lot of good, and I think this that just may be the case from a court. Yeah, and I but, think that. Uh, you know, if he could lead Nebraska to like eight wins, that would be considered an ex- extremely successful season for Colin Cord next year. It's just a different, mm-hmm. it's all relative, right? It's just a different standard in terms of where they're trying to get to. And uh, certainly they don't have Ohio State caliber receivers. That's obvious. There, There's no one they can go get in the portal that will, other than Julian Fleming, who, that will give them Ohio State caliber receivers. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody can get Ohio State caliber receivers. I don't think those are available anywhere, really, except Ohio no, State. No, I don't think there's any more <laughs> sons of Marvin Harrison hitting the portal this offseason. Um, I, 
So they've, they need to get some playmakers, obviously. And we'll touch on Nebraska more when we, we get into the head coaching grades here. But, um, you know, I think that uh, they could, they, they could, I think they could really use uh, what Colin McCord could bring to the table. And uh, like I said, less, less pressure than, uh, than what he dealt with at Ohio state. And I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen people are kind of, we're kind of doing the whole like revisionist history a little bit here on Colin McCord season. I know I did some earlier on this episode, so maybe, maybe I'm guilty of that too, but um, I, I don't know. I don't think it was an awful year. I, I, yeah. I know that it, things get judged by two picks against Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Totally get that. Totally get why that's really important. Um, but um, I think that, that there's still room for him to get better. I don't think he's necessarily mm-hmm. is what he is. That's what it is. I think, I think again, the patience level for guys to develop is very, very small. Especially at those level of programs, at your Ohio State's, at your Georgia's, at your Alabama's. Again, we were talking about benching Jalen Milrow in Game Three uh, this season, and now they're in the playoff. So, not everybody progresses and develops at the rate of a Trevor Lawrence or Tua or somebody of that ilk. It's or Caleb Williams, um, mm-hmm. you know, at Oklahoma and USC. Some guys just take more time, and, and I think that that's okay. But we're at a place where the the results have to be had so quickly that. A lot of times, there's not enough time for them to do that development there, and it has to end up being somewhere else. Uh, by the way, another another little news tidbit here. Producer Cam just dropped this in the chat. Taylor Green, Boise State. Mm-hmm. He's not jumping in the portal. He is out of the portal, committed to Arkansas. Committed to Arkansas. And I just saw a tweet uh, from Brandon Huffman, 24-7 Sports, floating the possibility of, uh, of Jaden Rashad transferring. So, you know, you head, head on a swivel. <laughs> head on a swivel, Sam. Um I, he 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 didn't report that's happening. He just was suggesting that uh, you know that's a situation to keep an eye on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, wild wild times here. Uh, Taylor Green, I think is a is a good take for Arkansas. Um, we don't really know what's going on there on the on the KJ Jefferson front. There was reports that he was going to go. He was expecting to enter the portal. He has not entered the portal. Um, could be going pro. Could be going portal. Could be staying. Unclear. Um, Taylor Green was a I, you know freshman All American for us though a year ago, um, mm-hmm. and a guy that uh, wait, is it a year ago two years ago, anyway former freshman All American and yes. uh, <laughs> a guy that uh, you know I I think uh, fresh start for him probably probably a good move closer to home he's a, he's a he's a Texas high school uh, product yeah. so getting a little bit closer to home big guy can move can throw it uh he and was it's a clean guy slate that, for everybody with a new OC there too yeah yeah we pre preseason we talked a lot about him in the G5 ranks as as one to watch so we'll be interested to see how he fares there uh you and I spent some time this week working on a story that's up on the athletic on Monday Texas A&M the last time you and I talked a lot of these guys had not entered the portal. Walter Nolan wasn't officially in yet, though he had mm-hmm. announced. Uh, and about five more, six more guys went in after we last spoke on this podcast. LT Overton is in the portal. The defensive lineman, Jake Johnson, the tight end, all 2022 recruits. There's also several others from other parts of the team and, and other classes that have entered the portal since then. But A&M's, uh, they're going through it right now. Uh, Mike Elko's trying to do what he can to retain this roster, but they've got 13 guys that have hit the portal this offseason. Last year, remember, they had about 25, so it's a lot of attrition at A&M. But, Max, you and I discussed this 2022 class, which Walter Nolan was a part of, LT Overton, Jake Johnson were a part of this. This 2022 class, the highest-rated recruiting class of all time. Mm-hmm. Number one, it made, it made Nick Saban upset. It, Lane Kiffin was making comments about it. 
It turned a lot of heads. And less than two full years into this class, 12 of the 32 guys that they signed are gone. They're either in the portal or they have already transferred. Uh, what do you make of what is remaining of this class? What has happened there at A&M? And whether or not Elko can kind of pull this thing together to to put together a really good team in year one. I think he can. Um, by the way, speaking of like things getting more unfair in the sport, Walter Nolan took an official visit to Oregon over the weekend. So just in, <laughs> just in case like you weren't sure if Oregon had enough talent um, over there, they brought Walter Nolan for a visit and are going after some of these guys. Um, I, I think that, I, you know, I we, we, we did this just as kind of a check-in on this class, Sam, to see um, because they've gone through uh, you know, turbulent two years. Um, obviously the record is not what anybody expected in their two years in the program. And, you know, some of those players that, that left, uh, left a year ago and clearly had red flags and disciplinary problems and had to go. And, uh, mm-hmm. that was the right, right call. Several of those players have already been bounced from their, their second place that they've gone. So, mm-hmm. uh, clearly they were not the right takes in the first place. Um, I think, you know, I think the Elijah Robinson news hit hit it hit it a tough time. Um, yeah, and I think that that relationship between him and a lot of the guys on that team um, was 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 pretty critically important. But I don't know. To to I mean, isn't this just kind of how it is everywhere now? I mean, I know it's really important to hold that class together, and you can you know financially incentivize them to stay and all that stuff. But ultimately, like when these coaching changes happen, everybody. The vultures all kind of circle around your roster and uh, and and start getting in people's ear about hey. You can play more. You can make more. Come over here. And mm-hmm. so I think Mike Elko is fighting that right now. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, they're certainly they're also in the portal here and and trying to replace guys. They picked up Will Lee from Kansas State. Um, and I, you know, they're just going to have to. You, you, all you can do is just, you know, don't get mad, get even. Right. Just go get somebody better <laughs> or, or not, not better, but go get somebody who can replace that person and replace their production. Right. Um it's it's just a you know it's just it's it's a tricky thing because you're trying to set your culture and you're just getting started you're on the road all the time visiting guys and uh you know these players are uh you know kind of thinking do I really want to be a part of this do I want to go through this for the spring um it's it's a tough decision for for each of them as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's your read on, I mean, you expect attrition. Everybody expects attrition mm-hmm. now, especially for these highly ranked classes. Do you feel like, are we not quite at the point where it's alarming? Or I don't already think, there? I don't, th- I will say this. We're getting close to the point where I'm starting to wonder how good A&M will be in 2024. I thought that when Mike Oko got this job, this was a quick, a quick turn, a turnkey operation. You could if you held the roster together and held a lot of the key players together, maybe you could go win 10 next year. I'm starting to question that at this point. Walter Nolan gone and then you start to talk about some of the guys that they've lost to other attrition. You got McKinley Jackson's going to the draft. We're waiting mm-hmm. to hear on Edger and Cooper if he's going to, you know, end up doing that. Uh you lose Nolan, you lose uh, Deuce Harmon, the cornerback who entered the portal. He's he started a lot of games. And said he's still open to coming back, but he's in the portal or he's planning into the portal this week, at mm-hmm. least as he announced over the weekend. So right now you're looking at a roster. Both starting d- defensive tackles are going to be gone. Two of the three top defensive ends are going to be gone. Five players in the secondary are going to be gone. Maybe your best defensive player, Nedrick Cooper, could be gone. You're starting to look at a team that's going to have to rebuild its defense. And that was the strength and calling card of this team. So... I think you're going to have to end up having some patience. I, I don't say it's an alarming amount of attrition because Fisher got fired. Elijah Robinson took another job. A lot of the offensive coaches are not being retained by Elko. And some of those guys, like you look at Chase Pesantis, the freshman offensive tackle, recruited by Steve Adazio. Adazio's not there anymore. That's going to happen. And so I don't think mm-hmm. that's alarming. But if you, I will tell you, when I will start sounding the siren if you lose Connor Wegman, if you lose Evan, Evan, Evan Stewart, Noah Thomas, Bryce Anderson – Guys like that. You start losing some of those guys, you, even one of those guys, I think I'm starting to get real concerned if you're A&M. Uh, I'll say this, though. One thing that I d- am finding fascinating about all this at A&M is Jimbo Fisher, when he was there, went heavy on a national recruiting yeah. angle, yep. which is not something that A&M has done a lot of in the past. That They have traditionally been, we stay mostly in our home base, Texas, when they got into the SEC, they started recruiting more into SEC country and getting some in the Deep South. But he started going to the East Coast to get guys. And it's like a guy like Chase Pesantis from the East Coast. Uh, you know, they went into Tennessee to get Walter Nolan. Uh, they, they, Jimbo recruited really well, but he also went heavy on national guys, guys that are far away. And to me, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because you know, you follow the portal a lot more closely, but I feel like the further away you are from home when you go somewhere, the easier it is for you to jump in the portal. Mm-hmm. because you can go somewhere either that you like better or because there's nothing really keeping you there. There's nothing keeping Walter Nolan at Texas A&M, given right. where he's from. It, it, whereas if you are a guy, if you are a four-star or five-star defensive lineman from Dallas or from you know Waco, maybe it's, maybe it's more likely that you stay. And so I'm curious to see like when Mike Elko builds his recruiting operation at Texas A&M, is he going to recruit nationally and cast that white a net like Jimbo Fisher did, or is he going to stay mostly heavily Texas, Louisiana, Deep South, 
And then once in a while, we'll go get a guy that we feel like we have a connection with as opposed to just let's go blanket national like Jimbo Fisher did. Well, I I mean, let's 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 be real here. I think that can be a little bit of a like you think about this, this 2022 class that we we're talking about. They signed six months after um, it, it became legal for for players to uh, to make money off their name, image and likeness. Right. And I think in some ways you could almost look at it and say, you know, like through NIL, all things are possible, right? That you can, you know, you can go recruit more nationally and look that everybody's looking for a bag and, and, and is willing to go somewhere that uh, they feel like gives them the best chance to, to profit. Right. I mean, but, but I think there isn't, maybe this is old fashioned, maybe like, I think there is still a little bit of a trap there. And I, and I agree with you that like, are you getting guys that don't really want to be there? And you know, I think that now that doesn't mean like there can be players located all over the country who, you know, have family who are Aggies or, or whatever, right? Like who want to be an AM no matter where they grew up or where they live. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying those guys aren't out there, but um, I think the further you stretch beyond guys really wanting to be there, um, the more you, it's like the old Spike Dykes quote, like the more you have to convince them to come there, the more you have to convince them to, to stay. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the challenge here, even if, you know, you have ways of making them stay. Like I, I still think that's part of the, the, the overall, I'm not saying this is something A&M did wrong because I think everybody's trying to kind of figure out what's the balance of this. How much does this change recruiting? Um, the ones that have money. And, uh, and so I think that it can be tricky because you, you, yeah, you have more access, but should you be taking those guys and are they coming for the right reasons? And are they going to, you know, flame out in a year, like a couple guys in this class did, um, because they, you know, for, for you kind of look past the red flags because you want to get the best talent. You know, I think we feel like that kind of happened at AM a little bit. So, you know, I think the new staff, um, <laughs> I would be, I would be surprised if it isn't a little bit more regional in their approach. Um, mm-hmm. now if you get that thing rolling, lots of guys will want to go there. There's no doubt about that, mm-hmm. but, um, but I'm interested to see how much he, how much he wants to tailor that locker room, towards something a little bit closer to home or if you want to just say hey we're a national brand we'll take mm-hmm. anybody yeah that, that's the interesting part and i think part of it will be how much of that i i would get venture to guess is the recruiting is probably going the high school recruiting is probably going to be a little bit more regional and the portal is the portal and, and that's where you go get some of your guys and cast yeah. a wider net but yeah, yeah. again it, it, part of that is staff makeup you need hot colin klein offense coordinator he just hired you know you're going to utilize those connections. You know, yep. I, I do too. I thought that was really good. I think it fits what they're going to do uh, and the identity they want to be as a team. Uh, but, but how that staff plays out, you know, he brought a lot of guys from Duke. So there's going to be some East coast ties and I think it'd be silly for Elko not to use those to some degree. So, Hey, we just uh, had another quarterback commitment. Uh Oh, what do we got? Well, as, this is one you can speak on. Um, Chandler Rogers from North Texas is going to Cal to play for Ooh. new Cal OC Sterling Gilbert. Oh, I have not heard Sterling Gilbert's name in a minute. Uh, yep. Chandler Rogers was a really good find for North Texas, and ULM. When we talk up another. When we talk about yeah. yeah, he was a ULM transfer. Uh, took a few weeks. He ended up getting the start job about week three and tore it up. Uh, I think Eric Morris did a great job with him in that offense. Uh, maybe if he starts a game earlier, maybe their North Texas in a bowl game and missed it by a game. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of close calls in his first year. Uh, you know, close Excuse call against me. Tulane. QB coach Sterling Gilbert, not OC. QB coach. Okay, 
Correct. Gotcha. Keep going. Uh, but Rod, uh, they were close to getting to a bowl game. Close call against Memphis. Close call against Tulane. Uh, UNT had a encouraging first year. Chandler Rogers, a really good player, really good find, great quarterback. Uh, good pickup for Cal. Uh, and I know you saw, I saw you earlier say Sam Jackson uh, entered the portal, uh, who had gotten there to Cal That's last right. year. So That's right. uh, that'll be an interesting addition for them. Uh, but UNT's another team, and, and we're we're getting way off the radar here, but. They've suffered a ton of attrition. I looked at their two deep the other day. Holy moly, they lost a lot of guys off their team uh, because they they had a really good production from a lot of these guys. And when you're a group of five, they're going to go test the market and go see if they can go get a power five offer somewhere and and get something. So, well, this is this is just the the the, the game goes on and on here, Sam. So Cal takes uh, Chandler Rogers from the portal. Um, and you know they've got a freshman quarterback, Fernando Mendoza, who who played mm-hmm. had some good moments this year. It's part of the reason why their other two quarterbacks are also in the portal right now. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, we're gonna recruit this guy over him. Um, <laughs> who's starting? Because if if Fernando's not starting, he's he's going home to that's Florida. right. He's going to one of those schools. He's going to the portal. So it's just a constant. It's just a con- you know Ari Ari would love it. It's just a constant game of would you rather? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of, would you rather, would you rather be Deion Sanders right now? Or would you rather be or myself? I'd rather be Deion Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dion, would I trade Dion, my life for Deion's? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Dion, of course, had to hit the portal hard. Uh, Colorado four and eight first year line play was not great. So they went and got some linemen. Uh, mm-hmm. Max, tell us a little bit about some of the linemen that what they're doing so far in the portal and do you think we know these are the hardest guys to find? Do you think they can help Colorado turn it around quickly? How much success can you have when you when you import a line the way that Dion's trying to do right now? Well, you know, speaking of national recruiting, Colorado picked up Jordan Seaton, um, the one of the, the the number one tackle in the country uh, for their recruiting class. Uh, I, I have no doubt with the intention of playing him right away. Um, that was a huge get. But then they followed that up by going and getting. Uh, four offensive linemen out of the transfer portal um, to just try, try to very quickly fortify this group. Um, that was very, very obviously uh, a massive problem for Shadur Sanders in this offense. And so they picked up Tyler Johnson, who who you knew well, Sam. He began his career at Texas, very highly touted recruit, uh, could not get on the field at Texas, transferred to Houston, uh, and was, was able to play a little bit there. Um, so that was a good get for them. Yukiri Walker from UConn is a DeSoto kid, a Texas kid, one-year starter at center for UConn. They they brought in Khalil Benson, the starting right tackle from Indiana, and they brought in Justin Mayers from UTEP, who was one of the better offensive linemen in Conference USA. Um, he, I believe he was 12th among starting offensive guards in, in PFF grading this season. So, uh, yeah, not not wasting any time on uh, evaluating and, and and waiting to see who goes in. They just went out and picked up four offensive linemen in, in one weekend. And, uh, you know, they are, <laughs> they are ready to get this thing fixed. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to me because like we said, it's hard to find these guys in the portal and how quickly do you develop chemistry? How, yeah. how quickly do you, uh, get acclimated to, to the place? And if and I were Deion can't... Sanders, I would go take four more, by the way, I, w- I would not stop at this. <laughs> uh, honestly, like, what, whatever Strength you can numbers. do, well, just whatever you can do to have competitive depth there. I mean, they just yeah. clearly did not have that this year. And part of that is because you're just rebuilding these fronts, offense and defensive line completely through the portal. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would, uh, <laughs> I would not stop if I were, 
Deion Sanders, especially if you're looking at next year and saying, uh, we got Shadur for one more year. Let's go, let's go build something that can score some points. Yeah. Generally, I would say this is an area that you got to recruit and develop from the high school ranks and you got to try to retain those guys over time. But portalina oh, one or two linemen, I think every now and then probably makes sense trying to portal a whole thing. But you got they've got to get them better, and there's no quicker way to get them better because you can't go stick a whole bunch of freshman offensive linemen out there either. So it, you're kind yeah. of at a rock and a hard place until you do uh, get some of those guys recruited and developed through your system. And the, the, the other question is, is how long is Deion going to be there to recruit and develop these guys? I think that's part of this, uh, part of the calculation here too. So let's talk a little bit more about Dion, but let's switch from the portal to first-year head coaches. We, we're through the regular season. Uh, we've got a lot of first-year head coaches across the country. Let's grade out how we think these guys did. Uh, let's start with Dion. Colorado started on fire in the first three weeks. I mean, I I was ready to say they were going to win nine games after the first three weeks when they started three and zero. And buddy, they did not. They went four and eight. Uh, we Solid. I remember yeah, I remember the that. T remember that TCU game. Uh, it seems like eons ago. And it really does. It mm-hmm. really. I mean, that's the thing we all watched collectively. Mm-hmm. But uh, was that this year? It doesn't that feel was like this it. year. That was this year. That was in September. And uh, by the way, the guy who was in charge of the defense for TCU, Joe Gillespie, no longer at TCU. Uh, that news came down over the weekend. They have hired Andy Diavolos, uh, the former Boise State head coach, to be the DC at TCU. So, but Dion, what what do you say? The preseason win total over under was three and a half. Mm-hmm. They hit the over at four and eight. What's your grade for Dion in your one? I really, I, honestly, Sam, I want I want to be generous and I want to go like B plus here. Wow. Okay. I let me let me justify it. Okay. Um, well, it's hard to justify, but let me try to justify. It, okay. <laughs> here, here's why: because we're talking about them. Okay. Mm-hmm. The interest level on Colorado was all time low in 2022. He made them better, not as good as people hoped. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we, everyone got way over their skis cause it was very exciting and new and it clearly, you know, it, in, in September, it really did, you know, transcend sports a little bit. Um, and we got over our skis because TC was ranked and, uh, the frogs, uh, really made this thing look, uh, so much bigger and better than it actually was. Um, every, every concern that everyone raised in the spring about Colorado when they were purging the roster came true. Every single one mm-hmm. of them, like, what enough legit power five talent coming in. Um, not good enough up front. Bad O-line. Can't run the ball. Culture matters. I, you, know, you know, all those things. There was some truth to them, right? I think that the, the I, I, I trust that, you know, what they thought they had in the spring was worse than what they had in the fall, right? I, I get that. I get that they, they felt like, hey, we needed to do this. Um, you know, but there, there was obviously some downsides to the extreme overhaul. Shadur was so good. He was so much mm-hmm. better than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the staff stuff is like obviously a little bit alarming. The fact that it's getting blown up at the end of the year one is is very interesting. You kind of wonder how much of that is because they brought together the wrong, some of the wrong coaches or how much of that is good coaches maybe trying to get out after going through this for a year. And yet all of that is to say, Sam, I still think you're running a business and business is booming if you're Colorado. <laughs> I mean... But- if you've got freaking Carl Durrell as your head coach right now, like it might be the pack three, man. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, it's <laughs> like uh, Colorado is 
more valuable and desirable and interesting to people, infinitely way more interesting to people than it was, you know, a year ago. And so I think that's kind of why I want to give him a high grade because yeah, there's lots of football reasons why you'd say, oof, you know, that was a very year one in a bunch of ways. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're judging the higher, I mean, it's a, it's a box office uh, success. Yeah, that it is. I will, I will give him a C plus because I sure. think it's, you're not a believer then. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, not saying I'm not a believer. They're better, but man, they really took it on the chin down the stretch. Uh, yes, they did. You know, and and the ratings were not as good for those games too. I, I should note that. I I will tell you this: I would be in the B territory until the Sean Lewis thing happened. the the whole The whole, you know, demoting Sean Lewis and taking play calling duties away and all that stuff. I didn't yep. like how that went down. Yeah. Uh, so it it calls into question to me management and how Dion managed this program long term. So that's why I'm not giving a B just yet. I think if if we had the same results, maybe maybe you get another win and you don't have that issue, I think I may be giving you a B minus. But I'm gonna see plus just because yeah, it's just you know, they, they got they got ramrodded by Oregon. Hmm. They got they got hammered by Washington State. I uh, did hear you know, Deion they, Sanders say on on twenty four seven sports uh portal show last week that he did point out they only got blown out twice, which is it, it, that's it's worth pointing out. That is that is fair, and this is a team that was one in eleven in year in the year before he got there. Uh-huh. So yep. this was a Bunch really of bad team. That year. Yep. And in fairness, they did go over the preseason win total. They were mm-hmm. three and a half the odds. BetMGM, by the way, all these preseason win totals brought to you by BetMGM. Three and a half, and they went over four. I think i'm not sure if i would have picked them to go over before this i don't know if i did make a prediction on whether that they would go over or not but i thought that was probably a, a, a right total yeah. so i guess in my great i guess they, they some also of my had greatness. like a 99 percent chance of beating sanford um and oh that's right i forgot about the that Stanford was just an all-timer game. you um, fell asleep for that i stayed up for that well yeah epic. of course i did it was it was it was over um then uh, it wasn't over. it was but, not <laughs> but he I, i'd say that just to say they did take it on the chin and in a weird way they were also a little bit closer to bowl eligibility than uh than the record suggests too yeah see now i'm now i'm not now you're talking me into a b minus now because of all the salient points you made I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give I'm it a like a se- guy. I mean, just, I'm gonna give it like a 79.4. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna be Dead. like very very close so you could round up to a B minus. And Coach Prime's like, can you round that C+. up? And you're like, don't know if I can round it up. Yeah, we will have to see. Can you do some extra credit? Can you do some extra credit. Does Jordan Seaton count as extra credit in the here in mm. in close to signing day? Let's see. Maybe maybe you want to you want to see what the the staff looks like in a couple weeks from yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's say that, but. They, they got piece better. Of it is is definitely uh, that yeah a little uh, it's fair to be a little wait and see in terms of like is this thing set up to be be better next year I, yeah I think and, it and is I, but I I, would, I just want to know what the long term I want to know what the long term outlook is like because it feels like this is a let's turn it over for one year and then we're gonna turn it all over again for a year and so I don't know how sustainable that is I'm gonna just I'm gonna stick with my C plus on the high end C plus okay. and. Okay. But they got better, and all the points you made were correct. Like they are relevant, they are interesting, and that's a win for Colorado, considering where they were, considering how bad that program was. Not just 
before Dion got there, but just generally in their Pac-12 existence, they were kind of out of sight, out of mind for a mm-hmm. lot of college football view in public. And now they're not. So credit to them for that. Um, Matt Rule, Nebraska. This was another one we talked a lot about in the preseason. Get, I, I, over, I want you to go first on this one. Give me your okay. give me your give me your perception from from a distance here. I'm gonna, I, I come from a little bit of a different angle because I kind of know what a first year Matt Rule program looks like. Yep. And guess what? A first year Matt Rule program is usually struggles. It's, it's usually not great. And so mm-hmm. none mm-hmm. of what happened really shocked me. Over under was six and a half. They go five and seven. They just miss a bowl game. They were really close. They go through the quarterback issues, which we talked about ad nauseum earlier in the show. I'm going to say I'm kind of in the same same realm with him with that was with Dion. I'm kind of on that C Mm -hmm. plus B minus range. Mm-hmm. But I'm almost more All willing right, so to you forgive. Gave Dion is seventy nine point four. So what are you giving Matt Rule? I guess I was seventy nine point eight. So I guess we'll round that up to an eighty. I'll give him a B minus. <laughs> okay. I, I do think the foundation there is good for the future. I think, I do think, I believe in the long term vision. And you look at they lost the last last four games. They lost all by one score or less, mm-hmm. and they were that close to going bowling. And and I think if you if just one of those games turns, you go into a bowl and the outlook and I think the feeling is a lot different and a lot better. Totally, totally. But there, but there were certainly some moments this year, and I know you can speak to this, there were certainly some moments this year where it's like, are we just cursed? Is it just going to continue to be like this for Nebraska forever? And I, I think year two in the rule era is going to be a lot better. But what do you think? I think... I, I, I wrote down B, and it maybe. Yeah, you maybe you could say it's closer to B minus than B plus, but I would say B. Um, it's it's one of the worst seasons I've ever seen in terms of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, running backs got wiped out, offensive line, wide receiver. You know, obviously they didn't get it right with Jeff Sims, um, and and uh, and really struggled at quarterback. But the the odd thing is especially you just go back you go back and break down that schedule they so Matt Rule made one of the best hires of the of the whole offseason in Tony White his defensive coordinator that he brought in from Syracuse and he, and he you know who's who's going to be able to hold on to after you know USC made a run at him um Tony White did such a good job of like taking what they had and building a top 25 caliber defense that that Nebraska could have won eight or nine games this year. I mean, they really could have. Like, it's not that's not like crazy to say. And they're not they're not the uh, you know they certainly are not a top five most talented team in the Big Ten by any means, right? They they it, it was a, a a team of like pretty hardworking dudes that that really had to grind to score points and 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 win games. And uh, you know, so there's I, I understand like there's the there's the the long-term trauma here that comes with that of like losing all these close games over and over and over again that everyone gets very sick of um understandably so but i'm i'm with you that I, like i think it's pointed in a solid direction they've got a lot of work to do in terms of the roster recruiting portal um and i don't think i think people here are generally they've been hurt a lo- enough that they are like sort of generally generally positive 
but not not as much Kool-Aid drinking as the Frost era, just because mm-hmm. of how much uh, everyone got burned by that. So it's, yeah, like, scar, it's very still scar tissue there's, left. There's from just that. a lot of like cautiously op- optimistic kind of vibes here going into this offseason. Got to go get better. Got to go get some playmakers. Um, got to got to make some pretty important moves here in the next couple couple weeks here to to really set you up to be successful next year. Um, and the Big Ten gets tougher, obviously, but I do think it's like. I've talked to coaches before who kind of look at rebuilding like, you know, that first year you you lose big. The second year you kind of hope to lose close. The third year you hope to to win close. And then you hope, you know, year four you win big. Obviously, it's never that simple in this sport, but that's kind of what you're hoping to to build over time. I think they've kind of skipped the uh, lose by a lot year. You know, I think mm-hmm. they're kind of uh, already at step two here in terms of losing close. And uh, I could be wrong about that, but um, I, I think that they're, I think they're going to be able to steal a few more of these next year, especially if you've got just competent play again, 31 turnovers. It's just an absolutely insane number and mm-hmm. nobody can, you know, winning five games with that many turnovers is, is pretty much impossible. There's very few teams that have ever come close to doing that here in the last decade. So um, that actually makes me a little bit more glass half full in some ways. Yeah, I, I think, and seeing what he did in Baylor, he turned that one around pretty quick. They had a one in 11 year. They went seven and six in year two, won a bowl game. And they went eleven and three and played for a conference title and a Sugar mm-hmm. Bowl mm-hmm. in year three. Uh, I will say this about Nebraska moving forward: you look at that schedule in twenty twenty four. The first half of it, pretty manageable. If you look far ahead, UTEP, Colorado, Northern Iowa, Illinois, all at home to start the year. Purdue nice. on the road, your first Big Ten road game. Rutgers, Indiana. First half of the schedule in twenty twenty four. That's very manageable it's compared pretty, to what they pretty opportunistic compared to you know opening at Minnesota and then playing uh, at Colorado to to start twenty three. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a big difference. Yeah, so so that that'll be that'll be interesting to see. But so you give them a B, I gave them C plus B minus. Like and then they go rip up. off a run of Ohio State, UCLA, USC, Wisconsin, Iowa, which is going to yes, be they, yeah. wild. <laughs> Jeez. wild. Stack those wins in the front half, baby. Uh, Get as close to bowl eligibility as you can in the first half of the schedule because it's going to end a little tougher. Uh, no more, yeah. It's good. It's good. It's going to be a new Big Ten without without question. Uh, let's 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 hey, let's go on a roll and let's just hand out some A's guys who we thought got A's this year. I'll start with ACC Louisville Jeff Brom. I think this one's obvious. Jeff Brom used to play there. Obviously, big well received hire when he got there. They go ten and three. First ACC championship game program history, so I think he gets an A. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are some of the other guys that you really liked in the A group of first year head coaches? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm feeling generous today, so I'm throwing, I'm, I'm, I'm passing out some A pluses here to Jeff Brom. I'm getting, I'm passing one out to Jamie Chadwell, who obviously inherited a pretty good team, but uh, you know, to go 13 and 0 and and enter a New Year Six Bowl is an incredible accomplishment for that program. Um, I'm gonna give an A to Barry Odom. I thought that. Yes. It is, it's, you would think, oh, it's Vegas. That's, that's, people would want to go there. That's cool. UNLV was just a, a, just a dumpster of a program. And, uh, he, he got that thing, uh, flipped to nine and four in year one is just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable what they've, uh, what they, what they've done there. And I, I would also like to give out a, uh, can we throw out an A or an A plus to David Braun at Northwestern? 100%. 100%. I, I going seven and five. With that situation and how late that situation played out in the summer, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, he got him, got him the job. Obviously, got him the yeah. job full time. Rightfully so. so. Uh, that no, that definitely deserving of that. Uh, the preseason gonna, total there was three, and that's that was reasonable. Yeah, that was reasonable, and he won seven, and he won Big Ten Coach of the Year. Um, shout out to David Braun for uh, for for again holding that thing together and bringing out their best. Unbelievable. Yeah. Any more you want to pass out? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll give an A to G.J. Kinney at Texas State. Okay. Uh, yep. First bowl yep. in program history. They were four and a half on the over-under preseason. They went seven and five. Uh, and most wins portal. as an FBS program. Yeah, portal. They they portal. went they went in portal heavy, 53. Well, they about 37 portal, and they had about 16 high school signees. So they went heavy on flipping the roster and did a good job with it. And they found some, they had some really good finds. CJ Finley, obviously yeah, the former Auburn LSU guy was a big one, uh, but they got guys like Ismail Mahdi from Houston Christian. They got Joey Hobart from Utah tech. I mean, they were finding guys that were on nobody's radar and turned out to be really good players. So uh, to, for them to get that first bowl in program history was really big. So I, I'll give him an A uh, that, that's the thing that I want to be able to do in the in the video game when it comes back is you take over like a place like Texas State and can you just bring in like forty transfers and see what happens? <laughs> the portal. That'd be the fun. portal in the new college football game is going to be interesting. Uh, who do we have? Who do we have? Who do you have in your B group? There's a there's a lot of different other coaches in this first year to choose from. Who do you have in your B group? Who gets a B? I would I would give out I'd give a B to Alex Golish at USF for for getting them bowl eligible. Um, I, I thought that he did a nice job there coming in from Tennessee. That's a program that is, hasn't been close to competitive in that league. And uh, I thought he did a good job. Hugh Freeze, I'll give him a B, I, I, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, I don't feel strongly about it. <laughs> uh, Luke, Luke Fickle, I have a hard time with. Wisconsin yeah. was Wisconsin won their last two, but Wisconsin was, it was, it was pretty rough this year. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as quick as I thought. I hesitate to give Hugh Freeze a B just because they got pounded by New Mexico State. Like that was yeah. that one's gonna be. I'm giving one, Jerry Kill a retroactive A plus. By the way, we didn't we didn't do this last year, but Jerry <laughs> Kill gets two. an A plus. Jerry for year Jerry one and Kill, year two. Jerry Kill killed it uh, over there in Conference USA. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'd give Fickle a B, but. Hugh Freeze, I think I'd give a C plus for Freeze. Okay, their recruiting is really good though. Recruiting's rolling. They're, that, they're, that recru- is true. they're recruiting really well, and so that's promising uh, for the future. Brent Key, I think I give Brent Key Georgia Tech. I think they had a pretty pretty good year. Uh, they were four on the preseason over under. Uh, he go mm-hmm. six and six and get a bowl game. Uh, so I'll give him one. Uh, what do we think about Ken- Kenny Dillingham? And they had the preseason bowl ban, Arizona State. Four and a half. They didn't hit. They didn't hit the over under. How are you feeling about Kenny Dillingham at ASU? Feeling feeling bullish. I think what a just what a weird situation to walk into there in terms of um, the lingering NCAA penalties that haven't hit yet. And you know, obviously, they just had you know Ray Anderson is is out now as AD as well. And uh, that whole decision to to not go bowling um, right before the season started. Um, obviously very unpopular with Kenny, you know, un, uh, the head coach felt very strongly. That was, uh, that was a pretty messed up thing to do. And, um, it's tough when you kind of take away that carrot before the season kicks off. And I thought that they, they were a pretty thin team. Obviously they, they tried to also go 
extremely heavy on the portal to try to flip that roster going into year one. Um, you know, pretty, pretty thin. They had some good hits in the portal. Um, but man, like they, again, like a team that I think they were just down to like seven offensive line by the end of that year, three and nine. I know the record doesn't look great is under the, the, the preseason total. I, I, I generally like where it's going, but, uh, but, but probably about as rough as you, you could expect given some of the, you know, odd circumstances, I think on that job this year. Yeah, I think so. And, and I, I'll agree with you. I'm, I'm bullish on them long-term. I think I like the Still staff fine to put together. C plus B minus, whatever you want to do there. I, I think he's a, I, I think he's got a good staff here there. And, and it's uh kind of like we saw with Arizona this year. I think that thing will turn um, relatively, relatively quickly if they can uh, have some stability. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's, it'll be interesting to see, uh, go back. I want to go back to fickle real quick. Uh, there were seven and five, uh, over under, I think was eight. Was that right? Eight, eight and a half. Eight, uh, eight and a half. So they preseason top twenty. Yeah. By the way, did you see the story that uh, Jesse Temple did in the sure in the did. Athletic about the transfer they got from Syracuse? Yeah, Leon Lowry. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a really great story. If you guys haven't checked that out, be sure to do that. Very- pa- pause this episode and go read that story by Jesse Temple if you haven't read it yet. It's one of the craziest stories I've read on the Athletic all year. Yeah, he co- he committed and then decommitted, and then there was apparently an agent that got involved and things went off the rails, and then eventually he ended up committing back to Wisconsin. So fascinating story there. But I do think long term, I'm very bullish on Fickle just because of what he accomplished in Cincinnati and what yeah. he built there. I think long term they're going to be in in really good hands. I think the offense didn't work out like I thought it would, no. but. But uh, but I think long term, I'm confident in his ability to get that thing going. Um, needs improvement. There's a lot of guys that could fall under this list. Uh, Scott Satterfield, Cincinnati. They finished last in the Big 12. I, I thought all the Big 12 te- new Big 12 newcomers were going to have trouble, but I didn't think Cincinnati was going to be quite as bad as they were. I think they had lost like six, seven in a row at one point. So, I don't I don't have the standings in front of me. And Baylor was obviously very bad too, but it, Cincinnati felt like the worst team in the Big 12 this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Would Baylor actually did beat them. Yeah, yeah they, they were. They yeah. were. I mean, they they ended up finishing last. They only had one Big Twelve win, which was the one at Houston that they had. But uh, there weren't and, many games where you're like, "Oh man, this is they're they're close." Like, yeah, there was. It's it's going to be a process there. Yeah, it's it's going to take some time uh, for sure. So, yeah, they finished three and nine, one and one and eight overall. Uh, I will tell you, I was really surprised uh, that that. Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic FAU. They did not, you know, with Casey Thompson and all that, I thought that was going to be a lot better than it was. Uh, so there you go. Lost not, Casey that, Thompson to injury. Yeah. Tough, tough break there. Yeah. Not needs, needs improvement there. Uh, you know, we, Ryan t- we Walters talked about went four and eight Troy Taylor mm-hmm. at Stanford had, had some moments this year. That one, that's you go look at how many Stanford players transferred and are like, you know, starting at Michigan now and stuff like that are starting at, um, you know, starting at power five schools right now. Um, you know, they, they got hit really hard at this time of year ago by the portal. And so it's going to take some time to build that roster back up, but I, I think Stanford will be okay long-term, but three and nine, certainly Stanford's got a lot of Im- improve in a lot of ways. Uh, Trent Delfer four and eight, uh, Zach Arnett has needs a little room for improvement here. Um, <laughs> got, got fired after year one at Mississippi state. Uh, just strange. Strange all around there. Um, I think he'll land on his feet as a DC, but uh, yeah, that was a we can't leave tough him circumstances. Off in terms of year one tough circumstances to take that job, and I I was at that game, uh, his last yeah. game actually. Yeah, uh, they lost to A and M. They got they got hammered, and 
I was stunned. I had not seen Mississippi State get beat like that in quite some time. So, uh, yeah, definitely they they definitely ha- are going to have a fresh start there with Jeff Lebby. Yeah. Uh, be interesting to see. I will say, speaking of, they picked up Blake Shapin in the portal this weekend. I, I'm really intrigued by the Blake Shapin in the Jeff Lebby offense. Uh, I think that could be uh, could be a lot a of a lot of moxie match. there. Yeah, could could be could be a good guy that to uh, to help them. Uh, you know they're going to be playing underdog role a lot next year, but uh, mm-hmm. he he could, that could be fun to watch. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I think uh, the former Baylor quarterback going somewhere else to play in the Baylor offense uh, may actually may actually bear some fruit there in Starkville, so. Mississippi. So, yeah. uh, all right. Before we get out of here, Max uh, wanted to shout out something you worked on last week. You did the all portal teams, which has become a new annual tradition uh, mm-hmm. for you. You do a, you do a preseason and a postseason all portal team. And uh, midseason and postseason, yes. midseason and postseason. Thank you, thank you. And then all freshman team, you and Manny. I know I, I really want to see Manny Navarro's freshman spreadsheet. I remember he he did one <laughs> of those last year, like this massive spreadsheet tracking thousands of freshmen across the country. Uh, but when, when Manny and I team up on team. something, good things happen. We are both very uh, we, we, we 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 like building out a nice big spreadsheet and uh, and sorting through our uh, our options for a freshman team. Yeah, so so you guys had this on the athletic last week. This ran right after our all American teams. So we did all American teams, we did all freshman teams, and all portal teams. So let's talk. Let's let's just pick guys. Make sure to go check that on theathletic.com. But let's pick our most impactful portal players, our most impactful uh, or surprising freshman and portal players, and our freshman with the highest ceiling. Let's start with the most impactful portal player, Max. I'll start with you. Your most impactful offensive portal addition this year. Uh, in 2023. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> you know, it's interesting when you go through the quarterbacks, I, I still landed on Shadur Sanders over um, <laughs> a, a bunch of, you know, certainly you can make the argument that uh, there there were other guys, uh, you know, DJ had a, had a really nice year at, at Oregon State. Uh, Jack Plummer made a big impact in terms of uh, getting Louisville to the ACC title game. But yeah, Shadur Sanders, I think most impactful in terms of uh, Gosh, he he was just so good. I I can't mm-hmm. I can't like emphasize and we can read off all these stats, but for him to play the way he did to only have I think three turnovers or three picks on the year um is pretty stunning when you consider how everything was put on his shoulders offensively there. And so um I would say most impactful in terms of just changing the team and their their win total and the perception of the program I would say Shadur Sanders. And then defensively, um, I don't know how much this guy popped on tape for you. He did. He did for a bunch of coaches I talked to. Sam um, Austin Booker at, at uh, Kansas was a pass rusher who uh, really put together a really impressive season. Coming from uh, Minnesota, he didn't play a ton over at Minnesota, but was a guy that was uh, the Big 12's defensive newcomer of the year, first team All Conference selection, guy that had uh, 36 pressures and eight sacks. So heck of a year by Austin Booker, and one that. I had a few people contact me and just be like, where did they find this guy? Uh, someone that <laughs> a defense that, that, that still needs to improve a lot. But uh, in terms of Kansas winning as many games as they did this year, uh, that, that was quite a seal. I thought. Yeah, no doubt. They did. They did a really good job of getting some additions on that defensive line uh, to help, help beat them up and help them be a lot better. And the fact that they played as well as they did and won as much as they did without Jalen Daniels is a testament to how much they improved across the board, 100%. particularly yeah. defensively. And, and, yeah. and Austin Booker is a big part of that. Uh, for me, I, I'm a, I'm going to pick Ray Davis. We talked about earlier at Kentucky, the running back. Uh, I can't get that, that game against Florida he had out of my head. Like he went bananas, 289 yards, uh, yeah. ends up being yeah. the third leading rusher in the sec. Uh, really, really good. 
uh, player for Kentucky. So I, I loved him. And then on defense, Elijah Roberts, SMU. Yeah. Ben, you talk about a team that, that really improved defensively this year. That team was terrific. Uh, did I read this right? 64 pressures this year, according yeah. to Pro Football Focus. Like, that it's is easy to insane. judge on on sacks and and TFLs, but yeah, he he got after the quarterback a ton this year. But every time I turn it on and watch them, it seemed like he was he was in the backfield pretty regularly. And and like I said, they've done a really good job. That that staff as a whole has done a good job of portaling. They've probably done a better job portaling than almost anybody out there. In the last two years, they completely flipped that roster over and ended up winning the uh, the American on their way out before they go to the ACC. Uh, and they've they've got a ton of power five talent on that roster. So, um, but Elijah Roberts definitely one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's your freshman of the all freshman team? Who's your freshman with your highest ceiling? Uh, Ruben Bain at Miami is just unbelievable. Um, and and uh, I hope like now that we're at the end of the regular season here, people are like doing the like cutting together the mixtape of the highlights of of, of players' <laughs> years and stuff like that. Um, cause I, I, at some point I will find like the Reuben Bain freshman highlights and send it to you and you'll be like, Oh, Whoa, this guy is, <laughs> this guy is different. That's a, that's a big building block for Mario Cristobal and that Miami staff. Um, they're going to go try and have one of the best D lines in the country. And, uh, and, and Reuben Bain is, is the centerpiece there. He was, uh, he was terrific and, uh, put up great numbers, but was just an absolute freak show this year. So it's, uh, it's Bain for me. Who is it for you? Anthony Hill at Texas, uh, mm-hmm. number one linebacker in the 2023 class. Uh, they were able to flip him late from A and M. That was a big get for them at a position they really needed. Uh, you saw him. You got you guys saw him flash in the Alabama game off the edge. He really in the first half of the season was a flash guy. He would flash for a little bit and then he'd kind of disappear for a little while, and you wouldn't hear from him. As the year got on, he started to play a lot more consistently and became much, much more of an impact player. Big 12 defensive freshman of the year, uh, seven and a half tackles for loss, five sacks. That guy is going to be a star. Uh, you could see it from day one, too. Like when, when I went to their, their first practice uh, early this year, you could see it right away. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy's going to be a stud. So I, I like Anthony Hill, future All American in my mind. Uh, last one. Legit, who's legit the most sideline to sideline kind of player? Hundred percent, and can rush, can get up the field really quickly. Uh, mo- who's a most either portal or freshman most surprising performance for you this year? You know the one for me, Sam, that uh, I didn't really see coming. I, I thought that when um, Hunter Deckers got uh, you know got got in trouble for gambling at Iowa State, and uh, it was it was obvious he wasn't going to be playing this season. Um, I really thought that it would turn into the JJ Cole show pretty quickly for Iowa State. That that they're, I think we all did, yeah. <laughs> that their big time freshman quarterback, uh, you know, you give him a couple of weeks, sees him in, but that he was going to be the guy. And uh, you know, credit to Rocco Beck, who did not care about the hype at all and just, you know, had the advantage of being in the program a little bit longer. Um, but as a redshirt freshman, just stepped up and uh and really took over that team and uh, you know, led Iowa State back to a, a bowl game, um, which you know, back in August, definitely did not look like a sure thing after the players they were losing. I thought Rocco Beck put together uh, a, a really uh, – I, I, he had some impressive moments this year. Obviously, they closed really well against Kansas State. But, um, you know, I thought he was uh, he was one of the best freshman quarterbacks out there and a guy that um, it wasn't – you know, he didn't get a ton of hype over the course of the season, but did a really good job. Yeah, I, I was impressed. Like you said, uh, if you had told me they were going to play in a bowl game – when the season started, especially after you knew Deckers was, was out. 
I would have, I would not have believed that. And even the way the season started early on, you just, you had your doubts, but yeah, yeah. credit to Becht and, and Iowa State and Matt Campbell, one of his better coaching jobs in his time there, in, in my opinion. I think they, they did a terrific job. Uh, my guy is Torian York, a true freshman linebacker at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a guy who was a late find for them. He was a three-star linebacker, had been committed to Baylor, and they were able to get him to flip in December uh, just before signing day last year and turned out to be a mainstay in the middle of that defense. He ended up second on the team in tackles. He had eight and a half tackles for loss, really developed into kind of a leader who can uh, really hold a lot of responsibility uh, on the defensive front and uh, just a great find for them. I I did not expect him to come in and be as major a contributor as he was the first year. So uh, interested to see now that Mike Elko's there, interested to see how he flourishes in that defense. So, uh, but Really fun year. It was a fun season, and uh, there's plenty more to come. Like I said, you got bowl games. I, I told you about these bowl games, Max. We got the Myrtle Beach Bowl. We got it the was, New Orleans it was, Bowl. It was weird having nothing on Saturday, wasn't it? It was, but I, 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 me and Cam were talking before we started. I said I was doing a lot of cleaning, a lot of cleaning <laughs> in this house. <laughs> uh, doing a lot of stuff around the house that hadn't been done in, in a few months. Uh, but the Cure Bowl, the Mexico Bowl, the LA Bowl, the Independence Bowl, it's we got a lot of games this Saturday. So yeah. buddy, get ready. Oh, and uh Texas High School Football State Championship for this weekend too. So Ooh, let's go. Back and forth. You going? Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about it. We're talking. we haven't decided for sure, but we're thinking about it. It's so. never a bad call to go. I know. I know. So, but thank you, Max, for joining me. Thank you all for listening to this edition of Max and Sam. Be sure you are subscribed to the Until Saturday podcast feed so you're notified when we publish the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can join all our live streams. Subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. You can find that link in the show description. Appreciate you joining us. For Max Olson, I'm Sam Kahn. We'll talk to you next week.